This is the podcast for December 24th, 2016, for the documentary in progress, Indelible. I took off some time from directly working on Indelible this month because I needed to address some issues which arose in my life and the lives of those I care about, which required my attention. The last of 1,874 pages from the FBI have arrived now, but as I have said, they are clearly not Carl Harp's FBI file, or very little of it, and uh, did not include some of the other documents I requested, but pages, or excuse me, but they seem to be pages they decided to send. And as I said in earlier podcasts, I needed to decide if I should fight this or let it stand as it is. The lawyers have asked that I go through each of the pages and document what needs to be addressed and provide other content so they can respond. This has been difficult to do for technical reasons, my inadequate technical resources, and other obligations. But I have decided to move forward and work on what they have asked for as best I can. I'm limping through this amidst other pressures, but I will complete it. This has been an interesting month because since I was unable to do much because of lack of access to resources, I was required to reflect on the importance of the project to me. It's still very important. I looked at the image I created as a concept sketch for the film. For me, concept sketches are something I do when I first start to formulate a project. They're spontaneous and bring together or articulate what I imagine or envision when I first think of a project. They're not about words. They do not use words. I think for the most part, if you try to describe an artwork with words, you will always fail. Or if you try to make an artwork follow a word description, the artwork will be uninspired. So for me, the only way I can approach a project is by image making. If others look at it, it may seem not to make any sense, but that's okay, as it is only a step in my process. But the image I made for this project seems still true to me. Um, I'm putting it as the image for the post on this podcast on my website, Enfold. So if you go to the site, you can view the image. And again, the URL for that image is really simple. It's nfold.net, enfold.net. The concept image shows an image of a man representing Carl to me, vivisected by various forms of authority. I often compare this image to the image of his face from 1974 when he was in prison wearing his hat, looking thoughtful and confident, and also the one from 1979 with his hands up in the air at the end of the May takeover, which he led at Walla Walla to bring attention to the unfair and inhumane living conditions there. I think of the landscape of his body in this image not as a physical body, but as all the writing, actions, and thoughts he produced in his lifetime, especially those that seem inspired by something larger than himself. 
And not everything was, but there were things that were, or that appeared to be. The focus of the project for me has shifted since I began, where before it was about why the sniper crime occurred and who was behind it, not Carl. Now I am very focused on what led Carl to become entrapped in the event. In part, it was because he was from a poor family, as I have said, and was targeted to receive specific training at too young an age. But I don't think this is something I can just describe. It's larger than words can express. But here are a few things I can touch on. We have a court system in the United States, and it's made up of judges and lawyers. Judges also started out as lawyers, and we have law enforcement and their various branches. For the most part, our law enforcement in all forms primarily protect corporate interests. In other words, money. The bigger the profit protected, the bigger the show of force by law enforcement. And judges and lawyers, for the most part, reinforce these interests. It is a very rare instance when there is actually neutral justice. Often a case will be presented in the media as being about higher ideals, but rarely is this so. And if it is, it will be quickly discarded by the courts and not covered by the media. Our military, sadly, has become a similar form of profit protection. But those that enter the military are not initially aware of this. And for some, when they learn of this true motive behind the wars they fight, they become angry. We've seen this expressed by the veterans who chose to help at Standing Rock. Many felt they were fighting for the Constitution for the first time at Standing Rock and said how good it felt. But now look back at Carl's history and that of other kids with experiences similar to his who were targeted for mercenary training. Who targeted them? Those with military training and those in the military and law enforcement. Who was aware of their training? Those in the court systems. Who helped to cover up their targeting and training? Those in the court systems, law enforcement, and lawyers. It was the protectors of profit who tried to, pr- who tried to promote their exploitation as mercenaries and those who tried to cover it up once the training was complete. For me, such actions involve the destruction of lives through deception and doing so in full knowledge of the impact it will have on the innocent. And this kind of action can only be entered into by those who do not understand that what they do to others, they do to themselves. As I doubt they would want such actions carried out on their own sons or daughters, and I doubt they would want to process their own kids through the court systems in ways that would hide the damage inflicted upon them, which resulted in their death or demise or imprisonment for life. 
I think the only way those who work in the courts and law enforcement and in prisons who have participated in actions that treat young lives like Carl's as throwaways can only do so if they remain unaware they are connected to all other forms of life, to all other humans. I don't even think they know what this means. And why would they? These are merely words, and they are disconnected to aspects of life that would make them aware. In the simplest terms, they are temporarily disconnected from nature. But I place emphasis on the word temporarily, as we are all part of nature. And so as I move forward on this project, I can continue to reflect on them as part of Carl's story and the story of the other kids like Carl who have been forced and trained to hold automatic weapons and shoot at the innocent in the name of profit. And rather than see the shooters as a single person, I cannot help but see them as one of the many who helped pick them out of a crowd of poor children, train them, and set them into motion to cause fear in an innocent population, also for profit. And I know that at some point, those behind the scenes, in law, in courts, in law enforcement, will see their connection to such exploitation for profit and will turn away repulsed. And our courts will become a place of justice. And our law enforcement will protect the people, or even better, we will need no law enforcement. Because our courts will be of the people, for the people. And lawyers will not believe in words over true-heartedness. Before I close, I wanted to ask that if you feel this to be an important project, that you consider making a donation through the donation button on the Indelible site or through the Patreon for the project, which you could do a search on um, Patreon for Indelible Documentary Film, or you can um, find the link to it on the main uh, page for this project, which is enfold.net forward slash indelible. Because uh, support is needed now, and it would be so wonderful to have adequate resources to complete the project as soon as possible, and at a high quality of production, that would be great. So thank you very much, and I hope you have a good holiday.